Come live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Hey, welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. It's Mondays, and I'm excited about tonight scheduling um, the X-Files here at 6 p.m. And then at 7 p.m., the professional contributors will be with us. Let me welcome in my co-host here, Tim Moore, and also Duck Riley. Duck Riley, how are you? Doing well, Princess. Good, good, good. I caught Tim Moore about three minutes before (laughs) countdown, Duck, and complimented his preaching suit. And then I said, I'm tired of him and his buddy from Hawaii. <laughs> oh man! Hey, hey, hey look! Tri- hey, he's a traveling man, Princess. He's a traveling man. Tim, yeah. are you okay? Are you back home, North Carolina? Then on the date, you don't mind putting putting your foot on the road, do you? <laughs> no, I got. I'm 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 here in Dayton uh, another day, I believe, because uh, it's, it's snowing at home. I heard they got four to seven inches, so I can't get back to yeah. home. Wow, wow, wow. Well, let's go ahead and get started because Duck and Tim, Larry Tisdale is never early in the system. Larry Tisdale is waiting right now, so let me go ahead. <laughs> And, oh. and welcome to what's, what's up, Larry Hallelujah. What's up, fam? <laughs> he said hallelujah. Now we're going to bring the Lord into it, too. <laughs> Princess, I asked my older brothers and uncles and everybody to check in on you, though. Because I know you oh, had you, to be. Oh, you needed some help. Uh, uh, Larry, see, I can't do like you all. I can't watch a debacle. I, at 27 to nothing, I turned it. And then I, okay. I called Rev and asked him for prayer, and he said they, they, they prayer ain't going to do him any good. And he got <laughs> off the phone. <laughs> yeah. So I'm let me go ahead and welcome in, uh, I think this is Carlos. Carlos Bradley, how are you? I am good. How's everyone today? Carlos Bradley, everybody should have checked on me. Yeah, I'm just trying to stay out off the 13th floor. But um, all right, Duck, Tim. Uh, uh, and Doug, Tim is going to be my open mic, my beefing, all of that, okay? All of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. let's get started. This is all the time right now. All right, Larry, we want to start with you because we want to talk about, you know, all, all these coaches are being let go and some are retiring and stuff like that. And the first one I want to talk about is uh, the Carolina Panthers because they had opportunity to hire Steve Wilkes. Uh, and they thought they had the man when they uh, let Steve Wilkes go. But Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, turned them down. But instead of them coming back after Steve Wilkes, but this year they're going back after Ben Johnson. Just your thought. Wow. This is the right show. That's the perfect question for this show. Um, you know what? We almost have to take a different approach to what we're doing when we're talking about these hiring of NFL coaches and GMs. Um, we're looking at this as though this is an even contest based off of what you might be able, predictable, might be able to do to a team. 
turn it around uh, or, or, or not. Um, and it has nothing to do with that. Um, that's pretty obvious. Um, there have been some quality coaches out there that have not had uh, second attempts and have done better than the coaches that replaced them. Um, so this is not even a question about on the field S's and O's, and unfortunately. You know, we, this is, we almost need a psychologist here with us in order to have this discussion because under no circumstances almost it seems as do they want a black coach to, say, to be the face of their organization. Even at the cost of winning, they're still going to be making money, unfortunately. So we're talking about billionaires. These are all billionaires playing, and these are toys to them, it appears, because they're not putting their teams in the best chance to, to, to have success, and that's pretty evident. We have seen, you know, only by accident do we have Houston going on down there, and, and that cover was so daggone empty. It took a, 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 a coach like DeMar, uh, DeMarco in order to turn that program around, uh, which he did, given the chance. So you would think, listen, obviously coming in, these people have something to prove, but they're not giving these any opportunity. So, uh, again, you need a couch and a psychiatrist and a psychologist to figure out why in the world they just they, they refuse to let us in the building. Okay. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on that? You know, we're talking about the Panthers and that situation. You know, they like to lost their mind when they thought P. Diddy had opportunity to buy the Panthers. Yeah, I don't know what the Panthers are doing down there, man. They, they're making some some strange moves and have been for the last – since Jerry Richardson was there. I mean, um, I don't understand. They had a coach that was winning that had them one game out of the playoffs a couple of years ago, uh, and they ship him out, let him get away, and they bring a group in there that, you know, is just an abysmal failure. So I, I have no idea what they're doing, and I agree with Larry. It's almost like they don't care whether they're going to win or not. They would rather just not have a black coach uh, rather than to put a winner on the field with a black man leading their team. It's, it's really a strange philosophy, a strange way of thinking, but it appears that's what, what the Carolina Panthers, uh, um, you know, believe it. Okay, uh, Princess, your thoughts being so close look, to Carolina. <laughs> that, you know, it's not that they don't mind um, losing or not having a winning season. They don't mind being an embarrassment, and, and that's really what they have done. And they continue to get the number one draft pick, the number two draft pick. And, you know, what they did with Bryce Young in not having any protection, and they just have two wins. Last year – seven wins, and then the three years before that, five wins. So the product that they're putting on the field, the confusion that they're having, and the revolving door at quarterback, the revolving door at, at head coach, and to see Steve Wilkes have an impact on that team and to down the stretch last year, you know, make them look like something, have them accountable, and have a good product at the end, and still to say, see you later is ridiculous. So as I said earlier this year to the Falcons and to the Panthers, just forfeit the rest of the season. Just go go ahead and go home and sit down because the product, even if we had them on Thursday night or Sunday night or whatever, it was a game that you really just didn't have to watch. And that's a shame. They they um, they deserve to give the, the fans more than they're given, uh, for sure. Okay, uh, Carlos. 
It is really sad. Yeah. It it really is sad because, I mean, Larry already said it. The fact, the fact that they don't. It is very clear that they don't want a black head coach, and it's already been said. Steve Wilkes was there. I mean, it was. It's so apparent. And and what's even like a mockery of what they have in place, this Rooney rule, to interview a black coach. I mean, to say I think I think it's the Eagles offensive coordinator who I can't mm-hmm. stand. Okay? So he gets a second interview, but then you yeah, have someone yeah. like you have someone like Brian Brian Leftwich who but doesn't even – I don't even know where he is now. He's not even mentioned in anything yeah. being one of the top offensive coordinators with Tampa Bay. Now, he doesn't even get mentioned. Eric Bieniemy, okay, he doesn't interview good, but players follow him. I don't get it. Brian Flores, it's very evident that they don't want a strong personality and a strong presence – leading their organization. And it's no more than that. It's no more than that. Because to, to say you're going to interview uh, a Brian Johnson twice, and he, he, you, you're not even a good offensive coordinator, what's going to make you a good head coach? It's ridiculous. So it, it, it's sad in 2023 with 75% of the players in the league of color, and we're still talking about it. All right, I want to stay with you. I want – go ahead, Larry. Chuck, and I apologize. Listen, this is such a – you know, this is such an overarching topic that anything that we speak about on our program has to do with this here. You know, if you go back to the beginning, we couldn't even play center. I'm sure all of us remember that because we weren't intelligent enough. And then we couldn't play quarterback because we weren't intelligent enough. And then they found out, wow, they are kind of intelligent enough, and actually they knew we were intelligent enough. Um, but we broke that barrier. This is that last, you know, one of the last barriers other than ownership. Um, it's never been fair. Think about it. Look at the threshold for the concussion protocol. Really, when you think about it as a human being, just because one's black and one's white, one has more tolerance of pain? Well, yes, obviously the NFL thinks so. But let's go back to society. All doctors were told that uh, as they went through medical school that blacks and especially black females have a higher tolerance for pain. And that's why we have the infant mortality rate we do, specifically here in Jersey, we're third world, literally third world, because we're still practicing some of these, you know, barbaric things that, you know, from the 19, early 1900s, 1800s. They do not care about the product. They do not want us in the same room as they are, period. You got and you got Jerry Jones, and they ain't never going to win because the man stood there and has been acting like he's, you know, a, a fair type of man while he's sitting in Arkansas and didn't want to let these students in. So he is being who he is from the beginning, along with these other owners. So they're all billionaires who have never allowed us in the room other than to clean up. Yeah. And it's all prop, it's profit sharing. They all share in the same pool anyway. They all make yeah. it. You know, other than Jerry Jones having his own credit card and his own stadium, they all they share profits. So that's what it is. You know, I remember um, Cam Newton 
um, being number the number one pick. But the Carolina Panthers really didn't want him. But, you know, he came off a national championship. He won the Heisman. And he was the number one player in college football. They drafted him as their quarterback, but they gave him a whole lot of warnings. If you're going to be the face of our, pro, um, of our franchise, you can't do one, two, three, four, five, and six. And, and if you're going to be here, you can't do this. And they were serious about that. And one, and I'm not, you know, and, and Cam did change, but the Carolina Panthers don't want anyone of color to be in any high position. And Steve Wook just happened to fall into it and become the interim coach. And now he's interviewed with the Falcons and with the Chargers. So it's crazy, but I agree with everybody, especially Larry. They don't, they don't want to see any of us in those type of positions, none. Yeah, I want to uh, jump back over to Carlos. Uh, and Carlos, uh, Leftwich did interview uh, for the OC position with uh, with Dion. So that's the, that's the last thing. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, okay. Was that this year, Doc? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't heard his name in two years. I know. I hadn't heard it until uh, uh, they were talking about him interviewing Chairman and uh, and uh, you know because he lost his OC in DC, so he's talk about interviewing those guys. Now he's waiting till the playoffs over to interview for his DC. But I want to get back to Eric Bieniemy. It, it looks like that he's going to end up being an OC again. You your thoughts on that, Carlos? Well, in the face. I mean, I think his t- title was correct me. It was uh, assistant head coach, OC. Mm-hmm. It was something like that. And if your head coach is fired, I would think you're next in line. And if anything, if if the commanders showed anything this year was the ability to score. I mean, their offense was, you know, they had they had some talent, they had some ability. So I don't know why. The enemy isn't next up. And I would think with the change of ownership and the change of direction of the team that that would be a good look. So I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it, it seems like, it, and I'm going to turn it over to Princess, they hired Bob Myers as a consultant, and he hired Peters from the 49ers. So... It's going to be interesting, but uh, Princess, your thought on the enemy just falling back to uh, OC and not getting his opportunity like he deserves? I, I agree with with Carlos. It is a slap in the face. Um, you can't tell me that his impact on the team uh, didn't wasn't more than anything that Del Rio did this year. Oron was there, so. Um, and, and he's still not going to get the opportunity there. And, and what a great opportunity it would be considering, considering the new ownership. So I don't know where he's going to land, but is he going to land with the Redskins? Is that where you stand up? He's going to be the OC? Or is he interviewing for OC positions around the NFL? Well, I, I'm thinking he's – well, I'm sure he's going to get a head coaching interview, but it looks like more so OC because – I thought the Chiefs were trying to work out something with the Redskins uh, to give them a draft pick. Commanders, mm-hmm. the commanders. Yeah, them too. And uh, 
give them an opportunity to uh, trade the enemy to the Chiefs for a, a, a six or seven round draft pick. There's something they were trying to work out, but I don't think it materialized. So, your your thoughts, Larry? The enemy. You know, I think somebody mentioned. I don't know who it was. That <clears throat> I guess the rumor is that he doesn't interview well. Um, but who cares? And I think I think you may even mention this. You know, the players love him. I think we could see the change in Kansas City this year on the field in the enemy's absence. Um, they were much more penalized. They weren't as disciplined. I don't believe that there was anybody on that offensive side to hold them accountable, that old school that everybody was whining about. Um, and so obviously in their record it's kind of shown this year. Um, what he did in the NFC East, you know, was a miraculous considering that that team imploded. Um, I thought that this, he was a shoe-in. I, knew, I know we spoke about this earlier. You know, I thought that he was easily from the assistant offense or head coach that he was going to move up instantly. I thought it was a foregone conclusion. I thought the commanders knew what was going on. This was some new kind of ownership. Um, I hope they come back around to it. Um, I'm not sure why a, a player like that, uh, an offensive coordinator like that, and, a, and you know, who's been around Andy Reid for all these years and it's rubbed off, does not get an opportunity other than – and I need all the listeners to understand he's a black man as opposed to a white man. It is the only difference. There are no other differences. His qualifications, the way he runs the team, his offense, the scoring, the championships, this has nothing to do with other than color and old bigot ownership not moving into the new 20, 21st century. So yeah, I yeah, I want to jump over to Tim because, Tim, you know, we talk about the enemy, but Ben Johnson is the hot name. He's probably going to interview with four or five teams. And also, they, and, and Precious will enjoy this because they're, they're trying to make Kel, Kellen Moore the man up and coming. Right. When he was just let go by Dallas and they fired the whole staff at the Chargers, but his name is floating around be interviewed three or four times. All right, Tim. Yeah, and, and next thing you know, they'll be calling back Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, it's, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous um, what they're doing uh, in that regard. Um, has, has has I know John uh, Johnson's had a good season in um, Detroit, but he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Um, the enemy's won two. Um <laughs> I don't get what they're doing at all. Um, I was talking to a couple of my boys this week, and we were, we were talking about the enemy, and we can't figure out what it is that is holding him back other than what Carlos said, uh, his color. Unless somebody's got pictures of him doing something that, you know, you know everybody in the league knows about that just hasn't become public. Um, I don't get it. I just don't get it. His qualifications – are beyond any of these other people that they're talking about. And, again, this year, even though some of the players com- uh, complained early in the season about his, his methods for trying to get the best out of them, and Ron Rivera jumped into the fray and, and co-signed on some of it, uh, I think Larry and Carlos both pointed out they scored more than what they did last year. 
and their offense was much more productive overall than what it's been for the past couple of years. So I just don't get it. I don't I don't get it at all. Uh, this thing with Kellen Moore is equally as puzzling. Um, you know, he, as, as Doug just pointed out, got, got fired from two coaching jobs in the past two years, and now all of a sudden he's the hot guy and Eric Bieniemy is not seriously considered. Um, I don't know. Something's rotten in Denmark, as Shakespeare said. I I want to stay with you, Tim, because, you know, Carlos and, and Larry and I think Prince, everybody's kind of saying the same thing, that, you know, he doesn't interview well. My question is, being on the other side of the table interviewing coaches, you can make or break a coach if you if you really want to. You know, if you really don't want that guy to be your coach, yeah. it's stuff that you can ask him, you, uh, which you shouldn't ask him about. So I'm asking him, I'm wondering if what type of question are they asking him? Are they asking him, do uh, you believe in uh, this or that? Or, you know, uh, what, what's your religion? I'm, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Your thoughts on that, Tim, the questions that yeah. they could possibly ask him. <laughs> They they could could be asking him about the situation at the border with the uh, immigration. I, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where they're going either, Doug. Um, this is just bizarre, and and I think, um, you know, uh, case number one can be made about some of the methods that they use for interviewing by just looking at the fact that they said C.J. Stroud had one of the worst performances on the Wonderlick test. Ever, mm-hmm. and he he's only broke records for all-time rookie performances this season. So I think you know some of the stuff that they're using to measure whether to hire people or whether to draft people is being shown to be uh, just ridiculous. And the enemy, regardless of whether he can interview or not, has already shown that he is that he can coach, and that's what you're hiring the guy for is to be a coach and to get production out of your team. He's already shown he can do that. And you're, you're, what you're saying is correct, Prince, uh, I mean, Tim, because you, you're hiring him as a coach and a leader yeah. of men, and a leader of men. Uh, right. And jumping back, and I'm going to go right back to Carlos because he's talking about the Wonderlick test, which I, which we all took that. And and that thing was to me it was it was just kind of quick, crazy. I didn't I didn't think that was a test that you would possibly give someone, and it and it was to me it was very subjective, Carlos. Yeah, it was silly. It was, I thought it was kind of silly. Um, you know they they want to ask you something and come off the wall and want you to figure out it in another mm-hmm. direction. It was I think it's subjective too because it's. It's a way they want you to think about something. You <laughs> like they think, would think about it, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not your way of thinking. You know, it, you, and your way may have been clearer and more precise than than theirs. Um, I, I, I want to, if I could, could Doug, just elaborate a little more. I mean, all of this in 2023, we're talking about the hiring of coaches. And in 1926, Fritz Pollard was the first black coach. And at a certain point, they decided, they being all the other owners of of teams, he was coaching a team in Ohio, Kent, uh, 
Akron, Ohio, but uh-huh. there were nine black players in the league, and they decided they wanted no black players in the league. And it, as strong as that decision, that seems to be because it's the same mindset now in hiring black coaches. It's the same mindset. We haven't gotten past that mindset. They just say, we don't want them here. We don't want them on this level. We don't want them playing certain positions. You know, the way football is set up, like military, down the middle of the field for years was all white. Safeties, middle linebackers, defensive tackles, centers, guards, fullback, quarterback, straight down the middle of the field was white because that was the controlling mindset. Also, at center, white man didn't want to put his hands under a black man's behind. So that was a whole other issue. But down the middle of the field was always white because they that's the people that are thinking. Safety's calling defenses, middle linebackers, center guards, quarterback, people in control of the game. The people out wide were making the big plays in the game. So certain things have not changed. Now, on the field, the positions have changed. We're now in every position, but that's because it's changed that way, and everyone now has almost a quarterback of color, but still with the quarterback, still with the mindset of thinking and controlling the game and into the coaching they still don't want to let go of the same thoughts all the way back to the 20s. That's my point. Okay. Uh, Larry. Man, okay. I, I have to just take notes because so many <laughs> things popped into my head. I really, I did. So, you know, your question was, you know, and we know that you can create a test or an interview to – yield any result that you desire. Um, it's just like the SAT. So the Wonder Dick commercial or, or, or process is, is no different than that. Um, I was working at one point early in my, you know, I was still my early 20s, and I was working at Oscar Mayer, and I had an opportunity to work there with the uh, CEO. And I was cleaning because I was still in school. And so we, you know, struck up some sort of a relationship, and I was graduating, and he said, well, listen, come on in and, you know, let's do a mock interview. So set up an appointment. We're going to make this official. So I had this uh, this interview, and, you know, I thought I did fairly well. And at the very end, and he went over a good, bad, and he said, listen, i got to be honest with you. He said an interview process is just a screening process. You know, I already have an idea of whether I, you know, kind of want you or not. It's just a screening process to keep you in or out, just like the SAT is. It has nothing to do with most of the way that we were educated or things that are applicable to our lives in our communities because you've already, you know, biased it. You know, we don't have, we're not afforded the same opportunities as you are as, as, as white folks in America. So our education, as we can see, is not the same. So you're asking questions that have nothing to do with us, but what we do do well is we're the first person in the Revolutionary War to step up for, you know, for the new America. You know, we're always the first to do uh, certain things like that. Those are the leadership qualities that they know we have. 
And, and so I want to bring this back around real quick. There's a scene in the Planet of the Apes, the original Planet of the Apes. So we're sitting here and we're saying, and we're saying that they think that we can't play center. That's what they said out loud. We can't play quarterback because of decision-making. But if you remember at the end, the last scene of Planet of the Apes, it came all the way full circle. They already knew that we could do these things. They already knew that we were there first. And I'm, and I'm just equating it as they didn't ever have any doubt of our capabilities. They were very sure about our capabilities. And that's why, you know, there's a phrase called breaking bucks, you know, that goes back in, in, into our history of who we are, that if you were the smart leaders that had that type of intelligence, you know, in order to move a people, they had to break you. So it's the same exact thing as they've been doing to us from day one. Um, it comes in many forms, many disguises. Um, so this has nothing to do with, with the enemy or anybody like that being able to make uh, X's and O's. We have all played and watched folks of different colors, you know, be put in front of us, and we sit here and cannot figure out, and everybody else looking around, including the white boys, they can't figure out how the hell he's playing in front of us. So um, they just they cover it up. They change the words. It's the wonder lick. It's the SAT. It's the interview process. It's just a way to make it seem like we just don't qualify, and that's all in it. And they know it. Okay. Uh, Princess, your thoughts on it? I love what Larry had to say. I want to go back to this for a moment, though. C.J. Stroud, part of his scouting report was that he will not secede at the NFL level. He's too more. He's much more worried about his brand and his image than he is, and they don't think that he would survive intellectually at the position of quarterback. That was a scouting report from several owners, GMs, scouts from the NFL. Amazing. Thank you, C.J. Stroud, for proving them all wrong. Um, but I agree with Larry in, in that, you know, an interview is so relative. And it is a screening um, um, opportunity. We've already decided, okay, wow, it looks good on paper. Let's bring them in. Okay, they have the qualifications, that they wouldn't be sitting there in that interview because you don't bring in others that don't have the qualifications. So really it's to see if I get along with you or not. And you can't tell me that other NFL owners didn't already have some predisposed questions or answers for other coaches that were going to interview or other franchises that were going to interview the enemy. They didn't want to hire him. So you can find at fault anything. Well, he smiled at this question. I don't understand why why he smiled. Come on, guys. You don't interview well? That means you just don't want it. That's really what that means. Uh, well, so when, a gun, when a gun goes off in our community, we don't sit and turn and look at each other and say what's going on. We know what to do. If a gun goes off in their community, they're, what, hey, what's happening? Where did that come from? So there's inherent differences in it. To your point, yes, those interview questions are all a setup. Well, yeah. that was a good that was a good point too, Princess, because you know I don't think he showed enough teeth uh, when he was answering oh. questions and stuff. <laughs> yeah, just stupid stuff. I didn't like what he had on, you know, or and look like at all of the the exactly. And look at all of the stuff that that Lamar Jackson took, and I wish I could remember the middle name of Lamar Jackson like like Kevin yeah. Walker does. But, um, you know, that was part of it too. And yeah. we're now in the quarterback stage, but they said at best he was a running back, at yeah. best. 
And that was all 32 teams or 31 teams except for the Ravens. So, all right, press, crazy. Go ahead, press, go ahead, press. No, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. I want to I want to stay with you, Princess, because I want to change it up a little bit. I want to talk about Belichick. Were you surprised that he retired? And now that they hired Mayo as the the new head coach, are we finished? Is that did we get our one black coach for this for 2024? <laughs> I I don't think so. I hope not. As much as as Wilkes is traveling around the country, I hope not. But Duck, I didn't pay attention to the signs because now if you go back and look, this was coming up for a minute. They started talking about about this really heavily in week 10. And then, you know, well, you know, Belichick, are you willing to relinquish some of your power? Because obviously he was buying the, you know, buying the groceries and, you know, then coaching the groceries too. So, you know, he even said, I'm willing to take a lesser role and just coach. So even Belichick kind of saw some of this coming. And for Robert Kraft to have a press conference, they announced that he was going to, he wasn't going to be coming back. The next day they had this wonderful press conference. And then the next day, Gerard Mayo is, is hired. So Belichick saw this coming early, and he tried to ward it off by getting a new OC in there, but Matt Jones was just not going to help him out. That was a dismal team. Um, so I'm not as surprised now that I understand and see all the bells and whistles. Um, and I'm happy that Robert Kraft moved on and picked Rod Merrill. I hope he succeeds. So, Duck, that's two, right? Or is that just one? That's, that's just one. one. Oh, Lord. Come on, y'all. Come on, guys. <laughs> all right. I uh, want to uh, come to Tim with the, the same thing. Tim, do we have our one for 2024? And are you surprised that uh, Belichick hung it up? Um, on on the the latter question, I I was a little surprised that Belichick stepped down. I I, I do believe though, um, like Princess said, that there was significant pressure on him um, from from Mr. Kraft, and I'm not sure that it was handled the best that it could be done. I think with someone, and I'm not a huge Belichick fan. I I have great respect for his coaching ability. Uh, but I think when you win as many Super Bowls and take them to as many playoff um, appearances as they have, um, he deserved um, at least a little time um, to, you know, make that decision. Uh, however, they don't seem to care about any of that. And I agree with Princess wholeheartedly that Gerard Mayo was already in the pipeline. I was surprised that they picked him because I was fully expecting Mike Vrabel to get that job. Um, so that's kind of where I am on, on Belichick. I wish him well because I think he uh, has proven to be an ex- exceptional coach. And um, maybe it's just uh, one of those situations like when Muhammad Ali fought Trevor Burbick, it was just uh, a little late, uh, you know, for, for them to be uh, trying to hold on. Um your other question. He was an exceptional cheater too. I'm sorry, Tim. He was an exceptional <laughs> cheater. <laughs> they bring in okay. hardball hard in to replace it. But oh, go ahead. Tim. Oh <laughs> lord. <laughs> you got to get kind of stallion if you bring in hardball. You know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, with with regard to whether we have the last um, black coach in this cycle, 
I sincerely hope not because I think Antonio Pierce is the perfect coach, yeah. uh, coaching choice for the Raiders. And I hope I hope that that this Davis will go ahead and pull the trigger on this like Al Davis did uh, when he uh, hired Art Shell uh, so many years ago. Um, I think it's pretty obvious he's the right man for the job, so I'm hoping that Antonio Pierce will get that Raiders job as well. Beyond that, I don't hold out a whole lot of hope um, because, like Larry uh, mentioned, and I think Carlos as well, uh, these owners have not shown anything in their past that would make me believe that they're going to step out and get an Eric B. Enemy or a Steve Wilkes. Okay. Uh, I want to come to you, Carlos, because it's the same question, but Tim brought up an interesting point about Pierce, and it seemed like he picked up a little more momentum when uh, Max Crosby spoke out, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't hire him, trade me. So your thoughts, Carlos? Well, regarding Pierce, I think um, I think Mike Strahan might have said he was the smartest player he ever played with. Somebody from that team did. Um, I think he's he's a great fit. For the Raiders, so I think Davis will probably make him the the permanent coach um, if he's thinking right, and the players are definitely he has their support. Um, regarding Belichick, I think he saw the writing on the wall that this team was so bad that he's looking to get eleven, twelve, thirteen more wins in his career. He's not done coaching, and he wants to coach. Two, three, four more years, I think. Um, so, I really wish he would would have gone to the the Chargers, uh, my old team. But it looks like they're going to go with uh, Harbaugh, um, which of course does not make me happy at all. He can't get along when he's when he's even winning with the Forty ers He still can't get along with players and ended up leaving. So. Um, Regarding Belichick, I wish him well, great coach, and um, I think he'll coach again. I'm hearing people talk about the Dallas position, but I can't see him wanting control and Jerry Jones wanting control. And it just seems like they're too close generationally to, like, actually get along, I think. So, um did I answer everything? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, uh, okay. Well, I'm coming to you, Larry, because, Larry, you know, the same questions that we we asked uh, everybody else, but to add a little bit of flavor to it, uh, Belichick's supposed to be the front runner for the Falcons. Your thoughts? So I have a different take on this. Um, I think – you know, I think Belichick knew that it was done and he's not there for a rebuild. Uh, he didn't have his quarterback, first of all. I think we understand how important Tom Brady was to that team, um, and it was the perfect storm. So I don't, you know, take anything away from his coaching. But I don't think that he wanted to be there. I think this was an amicable uh, decision on behalf of him and Kraft, and he let Kraft know early that he was trying to get out which would then explain why, you know, the new hiring of Mayo, you know, was just so seamless and so quickly. So, that, so that's kind of my take on that. 
Um, I thought that was an equal partnership, and he was respectful and let him out. I don't think he coaches again. And, I, you know, and I just don't think he does. His best friend is, you know, Nick, you know, Saban, you know, how close that they were. Um, I think they kind of go out at the same time. I think they want to sit down. And how old is Belichick anyway? In the 70s, correct? 72. 72, right, yeah. yeah. I think he's done. I think he's done it long enough. He knows he can't duplicate what he's done. Um, I don't know if he, you know, would believe, nor should he, that he would have the same relationship with an owner and a once-in-a-lifetime uh, um, player that he had in time. So, um, And, by the way, I don't think you can recreate the atmosphere, uh, the culture that was that he had in New England. Um, and if many of us know that the culture up there, although it was winning, for many of the players and coaches it was not fun or a place that, you know, brought a lot of enjoyment. It did bring Super Bowls, but it was not a fun place to play. I don't know if that could be recreated specifically without a leader like a Brady in order to, you know, leak that down to the rest of the team. So that's my feeling on him. Um, if Pierce is not hired, the Raiders are not the Raiders. This huh. is, I think you go back to Art Shell, I think somebody just mentioned, this is exactly the same scenario that should be handed over, um, except he's come in and shows you He's taken over the locker room. There's that leadership. Obviously, he has, you know, you know, a great sense of football, the smartest, you know, when Strahan played with him. And he's already proven and turned that team around and immediately after taking over the helmet. Um, if they do not, uh, they are not the Raiders whatsoever. And I am very disappointed in Washington with their new leadership and the diversity that they have. Um, for not looking at Eric the enemy a little differently. I am hoping it's a smoke screen and that they come back around and said, we do, you're going to reverse this, every, what happens to the rest of us. They're going to smoke screen it and they're going to come back to the enemy and said, this is our man. If not, I'm extremely disappointed in them because they have an opportunity to change, you know, uh, the visual of what happens in this league. And we said it would be done through leadership or uh, new team and leadership, this would uh, be the opportunity. I, like, I'm going to stay with you because you brought up one of the greatest coaches ever. You brought up Nick Saban. And Alabama. Oh, <laughs> the West Virginia boy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Thank I, you, Larry, for and, getting that out of the way. Yeah, get yeah. that part out. Okay. All right, Dad, like, you, you hurt me. But anyway, um. <laughs> With uh, with Nick and Alabama, were you guys kind of surprised they moved that quickly on the Washington coach? Because I know the Rooney rule is not really in college football, but the only minority coach that they brought up was Mike Loxley. So your thoughts, Larry? Help me out. Where's Mike Loxley from? I, I don't even know. I don't know. Maryland. Oh, Maryland. Maryland. Former yeah. Alabama. Okay. Okay. Um, I am not surprised. Um, and again, um, somebody of that stature, and, and I think in his comments uh, at his retirement or some 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 uh, journalist about him, he said this was one of his hardest years. Um, this was a, a struggle for him, and I don't think it was a struggle necessarily on the field. You know, the X's and O's. I think it had to do with the NIL. I think it had to do with a, a multitude of things. 
Um, so I have I, I have a belief that he knew that this may be his last year also. And I don't believe that, you know, the uh, the, 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 the staff looking for new coaches uh, started looking at the end of the season. This is something that's been going. I don't believe Alabama just, you know, was a knee jerk and said, you know what, we're going to go with this in, you know, a week or two after. This has been a long process. I don't think either one of those organizations that we're talking about um, pulls the trigger on something that quick. I think this was long thought out. And by the way, uh, Mayo had to, you know, he had to have the okay from Belichick or he's not there, just like this coach had to have the okay in order to be uh, down there uh, replacing Saban. So um, these are long, thought-out processes. They earned the ability to sit down and walk out like they wanted to, and, and I believe both of them have retired. So, no, I don't find it to be a surprise that it happened that way that fast. Nor do I find it a surprise that there were no folks of color being interviewed in Alabama. Okay, um Precious, your thoughts on that? Uh, I know this your favorite SEC team, but go ahead, Precious. Well, let me go back a little bit. I do think Larry mentioned um, that he need, they needed the approval of Belichick for Mayo. I, I don't think so. Mayo was being sought after last year. Um, and in order to put that to bed, Kraft gave Mayo more in contract and money. And I think in that contract, they made him the heir apparent. And the more the season went on, it, it looked like that they were just not going to turn it around as a franchise, and Robert Kraft was going to make a decision. But, you know, even in talking to Duck, but also in reading and hearing before, at the beginning of the season, they gave Mayo more because they were trying to keep him there, and they made him the heir apparent. So I don't know if they needed Belichick's approval um, on that. And Do you in think the that was Saban, done last year, though? Oh, yeah. I knew that was done last hey, so, year. Yeah. yeah so I, mean, I, that, I thought it was put was in done place. Last year. Yeah, okay. I agree. You, but you don't think it much input from, uh, no. from Belichick in order to make that? Okay. I think Belichick has lost all of that collateral, that power, mm-hmm. in how the last two years have panned out. Last year was a debacle, so then they changed OCs, and it didn't get any better. And Mac Jones didn't help them out. But the team itself and their performance, they had some ugly wins, and they had an ugly season. Um, And to see them go out like that, my heart is with them just a little bit. But for the most part, um, I just say deflate gate, you know. But then here we are (laughs) with Nick Saban. I I disagree with Larry again, only in that I think they were – they were looking for people. As a matter of fact, the um, recording from them talking to Lane Kiffin said, hey, are you interested? Because Jimmy Sexton is the agent for all of them, Kiffin, Norville, um, Saban. So they, they caught a recording from Lane Kiffin said, no, Jimmy, I don't want to go to Alabama. I have no desire to go. This is the night before. As a matter of okay. fact, my kids are happy, family's happy. And, you know, we do this every year. He said, I, I don't take my name out of the running, running now. I think that um, that man from Washington, the Huskies, Kalen DeVore, I think he was second or third. But I think mm-hmm. they got it right as far as probably the hottest thing that's going. I just think it's hard to come from, you know, the, the Northwest and clam chowder to come on down here and get some collard greens and fried chicken and sweet tea. He's going to find a different yeah. animal. For sure. And, and I say the same thing about Belichick. 
he's not, to go from New England to, to Atlanta, that's a whole different animal. I don't think he's prepared for that. I think they go in a different direction, too. Okay. Wow, Precious. You, you're on it. What about you, Tim? Your thoughts? Nick, Nick Satan. Well, <laughs> I was surprised he did it now. Uh, I, I was surprised he stepped down now. But um, I would agree with, I, I think it was Larry that, that said that he mentioned it was his most difficult year. And it appeared, it looked that way. It looked like they were, he was having difficulty uh, with the old Alabama tradition, uh, you know, adjusting to this new uh, reality of college football. And and he is getting a little long in the tooth. So um, it's a good time to go out. He made the playoffs. And, um, um, you know, it's a good timing if, if you're going to do it. Uh, but I was surprised. Now, in terms of what they ended up doing uh, with uh, bringing Kalen DeBoer in, I was really surprised at that. I knew that there was some sentiment for Sarkeesian, but I also know that the Texas job is probably uh, a better funded job than Alabama, and their uh, fan base is probably uh, uh, larger and, um, you know, just as storied, and they're moving into the SEC in the same conference, so there was no reason for him to leave Texas uh, with the kind of success he had this year. And Lane Kiffin, I thought, was really sort of fool's goal to begin with, uh, I don't think he would have been a good hire for Alabama. Um, yeah. Mike Norville, Mike I don't know why they even were looking at him. He's, I think, still proving himself. Um, he had a great year at Florida State this year, but I, I don't think he was, you know, ready to replace this guy. So they probably did about as good a hire as they could have with Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. And, but he's one season. If he goes eight and four or seven and five, that roll tide is going to roll him right on out of Alabama. He has a good two two Ty Willingham years. That's what he has for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Carlos, bring us home with it, Carlos. What you got for us? All right, so, so with Belichick, um, I disagree. I think he definitely – had to sign off on Mayo. I think it was determined before. I think he was teaching him, directing him, coordinating him to be the next. But I think it had to be a sign-off from Belichick before. All right? That's just my opinion. Regarding Nick Saban, I listened to his interview. I looked at him, and that was a tired, beat man. And he said, he said, you know, it was five minutes before the meeting and the freshman coming in yeah. for the, the that it signed early were coming in. And this NIL and this, this new recruiting process, he did not want to do that anymore. This all year around in your face, switching teams, Annually, Alabama has the most players in the portal already because so many people want to go. Then you find yourself three deep, four deep behind five-star athletes. That's how uh, Kamara ended up going to 
Tennessee because he was fourth string at Alabama. So I think this was Nick Saban's one of his best coaching years also to get them in the position that they were at the end of the year. Um, so picking the next coach for him, I think I think this was the best they could do because you got a coach that had proved something somewhere else, but it was a name that we aren't all that familiar with, so it's not somebody you can just readily go and beat up. So I think it was a good choice. Okay. Uh, Preston, it will come back to you so you can uh, take us out. But uh, I I don't know if I agree with Carlos on this being Nick's uh, best year. I just think every year that he coached, anywhere that he coached, was a great year. But, but that's just my, <laughs> that's just, that's just oh, my opinion. Wow. Two years ago, Nick Saban had 11 five-stars on his team. And I know Duck talks about stars, but that is the barometer. He had 11 five-stars. But last year, he started yelling about this NIL and this transfer portal. It brought on parity. And I think it, it got heavy on him. And this was way. And then he and his wife showed up for the press conference of Kalen DeVore. Who really does that? They sat in the audience, like, you know, and, and watched it. So, but I think he had had, had enough, and I, I don't think he wanted to fight it anymore. Um, but you're right, Carlos. I thought he looked tired. And I thought it made a quick decision. I don't think it was year long. But the, the college football landscape has changed for sure. So, um, gentlemen, thank you. Any any other comments? We've got about two minutes. Okay. All right. Tim Moore, Duck Raleigh, Larry Tisdale, Carlos Bradley, thank you. We're going to get ready for the top of the hour in about six minutes here to the professional contributors. We'll see you next time. Have a great week. Thank you. Good, Sam.